everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. I have some pretty big news before we get into today's sports industry question. I will tell you the sports industry question is a heavy one, so we're going to start a little bit light with some of the breaking news we have going on here. We have completely overhauled our site, WorkInSports.com. Background. Since 1999, we've been a leader for jobs in the sports industry. But as times change, we have to be agile and adjust our approach. That's one of the benefits of being a small family-run company. We can make decisions and act on them quickly. Not a lot of red tape to get through. You may not know this, but work in sports is 10 people. That's right. We are not some huge media conglomerate. We are 10 scrappy people trying to change the sports employment world. Another cool stat about our business, we added Jesus Guzman uh, last year at this time to our staff as a front-end developer, and Jesus is awesome. Uh, he's been instrumental in this relaunch of our product, but my point for bringing this up is that of the 10 people on staff, Jesus is the rookie with one year on the Wiz team. I am the next newest employee, and I've been here for seven years. The rest of the staff has been with Work in Sports for 14 years or longer, that's unheard of. But again, good people, good environment, good products, people stick around. Okay, so the big news. Let's get into this. Um, I'll get off my tangent, get back to the news. We set out with a mission to be less of a list of jobs and more of an interaction hub between sports employers and sports job seekers. More connectivity, more interaction, and we are there. We launched, and it's the product is... Eh, Fantastic. For a while, free members will still see the old site. This migration kind of takes time, and the free members are the last ones to get kind of upgraded into the new product. All paid members and sports employers will see the new product. A couple of highlights to feature. Our matching technology is way ramped up. And what I mean by that is you upload your resume as a job seeker, job candidate. You upload your resume, and we are actively comparing it to the jobs in our database and sharing back with you those matches. Matter of fact, that continues in real time. Every time we update jobs on the board, we hit every one of them against all the resumes in our database and actively notify those people to say, hey, you got this new match. This job just posted and it's a great match for your resume. That activity is so important because jobs like first round of interviews are set within the first 48 to 72 hours. You need to know that the opportunity is out there and act on it quickly. So we are actively engaging in resume matching and sending out that information like instantaneously. It's so cool. Um, so when we post new jobs, they actively search through the database, find those matches for the skill sets and push it out to you. Really cool, right? We also have, um, when you see a job that you like on our site, you give it a thumbs up, all right? And that functionality isn't just like a categorization. It actively pings the employer to say, hey, this person is interested in your job. Take a look at their resume. Uh, so there's some power in that as well, the, the interactivity. And it's a new system. So we're training the employers to look for that. We're training the, the job seekers to do it. Um, and then we also have our sports select category. We have a lot of people that upload the resume with us. A lot of those people have sports industry experience. Some of them don't. And what we do is we've created this special sp- 
sports select di- uh, uh, categorization, I guess you'd say. Um, and what it is, is there's a sp- certain algorithm. There's a certain thing you have to meet in order to be considered part of the sports select program. And what we're doing is we're basically notifying all of the employers out there when they see that somebody is a match, they also will see if they are sports select or not. And meaning they have some sports experience, some specific sports experience. So you really stand out from the crowd if you have this sports select designation. And that's a great way to get hired for jobs in the sports industry. And I won't get into all the algorithmic, you know, manipulations of what sports select means. But suffice it to say, if you have a sports management degree, if you have worked in the sports industry, if you played on a major sports on a a high level collegiate team, um, these are the kind of experiences that will start to stand out and qualify you for this special category. Um, For employers, on the employer side, we have a ton of new tools we're launching, all geared towards helping you find the right candidates efficiently. No more pushing through a thousand resumes of unqualified people for your roles. We have the sports resumes. And when you post a job with us, we will actively match your needed skills against our database of candidates. There are a bunch of other tools for employers we have developed. I won't get into them all here, but if you are an employer and you want a new way to find the most talented people for your roles, reach out to me and we'll schedule a demo of the new products. My email is bclap at workinsports.com. That is my actual email, so don't abuse it. Bclap at workinsports.com. Two Ps. You should know my name by now, though. Okay. We're excited, and we are in active beta right now, meaning so if you play around and have feedback, share it with us so we can continually improve. This has been a long-term project, so congratulations to our team for pulling it off. Uh, okay. A membership of, a premium membership for workinsports.com is more valuable than ever, and it keeps me employed. So please check it out. All right. Now we're going to move on to today's career sports career focus question. This is where things turn a little bit. They do get a little bit heavier. And if you're not ready for that, then tune out. Sorry. That's just the way I feel. Question comes in from William in Chicago. Hey, Brian, this is William in Chicago. I know yours is not a political podcast, but I respect your opinion and wanted to talk about what is currently happening in the world today. The company I work for in the sports industry, who I love has been completely silent about the George Floyd murder, the protests, and the support of the black community. This really, really bothers me at my core, but I don't know what to do about it. Any ideas how I can speak up respectfully and not lose my job? William is an intense question, and I want to give it the respect it deserves. I also want to point out that just hear those words. You're afraid to speak up respectfully and that you it will result in you losing your job. That's a sad indictment for all of us to listen to and to think that way, because I've never felt that way in my entire life, in my career, in my education, in any of it. I always felt like I could have a voice and there was no repercussions to it. And maybe there were, but I just didn't feel that presence. And that's a lot about what we're talking about here. There's a completely different perspective for the black community that needs to be talked about. This is the way we have the conversation with our kids is we point out these little moments to say like, wait a second, did you hear that part? They're literally afraid of losing their job because they're speaking up and using their voice. And it opens that window up for my kids to understand. But I'm going off on a tangent already here. Um, Okay, so let's have this conversation. First, I'd like to start with a story about voice. Uh, Last year in January, I interviewed Vincent Pearson, who at the time was the director of diversity inclusion for minor league baseball. It is one of my favorite podcasts to date, and Vincent and I have remained in touch afterwards. He is an incredible person. 
The Field Program was an initiative that Vincent was highly involved in as part of minor league baseball and showed great progress, this program, towards diversity and inclusion in minor league baseball. I'll read a little bit directly from their site to explain what the field program is. Okay, here it goes. Minor League Baseball's fostering inclusion through education and leadership development, great name, field program, was created under the Minor League Baseball Diversity Initiative as a way to engage the next generation of diverse leaders in sports business. The field program combines educational and leadership development with specific skill training access to a vast network of sports professionals and industry knowledge and exposure to create a unique experience for selected participants. This week-long program, hosted in the Sunshine State, introduces selected participants to the game and business of professional baseball in preparation for a career within the industry. Wonderfully written. I'm inspired to read that. I hear what the program is about, and I thank right on Minor League Baseball. Okay, very cool. Good for minor league baseball. But when the protests started and there was a clear racial issue happening in America, minor league baseball was silent. It's great to have a program like Field, but it has to be part of your values as an organization, not just a one week look good on paper program. But now we get to the good part. People noticed that minor league baseball was very silent, specifically the participants in the field program. Think how much this must feel to them. They see that a program like this is initiated. They are excited to know that there is a diversity initiative that is being taken seriously. They get involved. They apply. They interview. They get into this program. They do this program. And then they sit back and watch as their leaders in this program are silent. Whew, I can only imagine how that would feel, right? Well, the 23 members, 23 of the members of the 2019 field cohort weren't too happy with this, right? I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I'm assuming they weren't too happy. They banded together to do something about the silence, and they released a statement together. I'll read the first paragraph, but encourage you to read the whole statement, which I will post in the show notes for this episode on our site. First paragraph, as alumni of minor league baseball's field program, we are disheartened and discouraged. Minor league baseball prides itself on diversity and inclusion initiatives, including recruiting diverse talent like us to join the field family and encouraging people of color to work in baseball. Minor league baseball's silence on social injustice, police brutality and solidarity within the Black Lives Matter movement is deafening. Yeah. They go on to collectively state facts about how minor league baseball needs to do more rather than just talk a good game. For example, out of 160 teams across 42 states, only one team is led by a black general manager. During the 2019 baseball winter meetings in San Diego, no organizational awards were given to a black man or woman. And the frequent usage of Jackie Robinson's name and likeness, despite limited concrete action to address racial inequity, police brutality in minor league baseball communities, or the disparity of black professionals in baseball. Again, there's a lot more to their statement, but I have a point here. Their statement was articulate, well thought out, researched, and pointed. They released it on Thursday at around 3 p.m. Up to that time, minor league baseball had been silent. By 4.01 p.m., minor league baseball made a statement. I won't go through it. I won't read it. 
You've read statements by organizations at this point. You know what they likely said. The point is, by using their voice, the members of the field program voiced forced response and hopefully change because that's what they're going for. They just don't want a PR statement. They want change. And that's something to admire. My recommendation to all of you listening out there, because I, for one, am tired of the email blasts and the inauthentic statements. I want people to do something, you know, do something. Is that too much to ask? So here's my recommendation. Connect with Vincent Pearson on LinkedIn. He's one of the smartest and compassionate people I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with. He's no longer with minor league baseball, but he's still highly involved in diversity and inclusion. Then find that statement from the field participants. As I mentioned, I will post it on our site, but you can find it elsewhere. It's on Vincent's feed as well. And then connect with these young professionals. It's one thing to like it or share it or comment on how great it is. And quite another to say, you know what? What I can do is I can help them build their industry network by connecting with them. Employers who listen to this show, I am 100% looking at you. Reach out to these people. Connect with them. And all the people who are part of our private Facebook group, you know I'm looking at you. Connect with these young professionals. Show them you care. Listen. Offer to help them grow their network by including you in it. That's point number one. There's strength in numbers. So if your company is staying silent and this makes you mad, band together. Start a dialogue. Explain your frustration articulately with the decision makers. Okay? A couple other ideas. I was listening to my wife's company having a town hall session on this very subject last week. She works at a large company. Okay, big a hundred times the size of, of work in sports for, to give it some perspective. And one of the black employees spoke up and he was brilliant. He shared some stories. He gave some perspective. He talked about how he's a college educated, successful black man, but he's been pulled over for doing nothing at least a dozen times. You could see the reaction of the other people in my wife's company. They all look stunned as if police brutality or social injustice only happens to other black people. Not our guys and gals. And my point in this is that awareness is key. The pervasiveness of the problem is important to show that it doesn't happen to other people. It happens to the people you know. I'd also like to stress this young black professional also told everyone something very powerful. He said, don't pity me. Don't walk on eggshells around me. Don't treat me differently because you aren't sure how to approach me right now. Engage. Listen with an open heart and be willing to change. Amazing. Having conversation on all levels, engage, listen, interact. Okay. But I hate to say it. It's not enough, right? It's not enough. It's not. There's a lot of people out there that have been listening for a long time. It's time to change. Point number three, your company's not speaking up. Your company's silent. You are mad about this. What do you do? Look for allies. The burden for this conversation should not just fall on the black employees. It should not be on the black employees to band together and charge into the president's office. It should be on a diverse coalition of people who care. And I guarantee there are a lot of those people at your organization. Find those allies. Okay. There's strength in numbers. There's also a lot of strength in diverse numbers. I mean that. Final point. Be prepared for the conversation. 
it is not enough to speak with emotion. We are all feeling emotional right now. That's not enough. Can't be just out of frustration. If you're going to address this problem systemically or at your organization or whatever level, you need research, a plan, and expectations for the decision makers. You have to be prepared for them, the decision makers, to come back at you with, okay, so uh, what do you think we should do then? Flipping the burden back on you. You could say, that's for you to decide. But I'll tell you what, you're more impressive If you are ready for that question and you have a plan, you have research points, you can talk about black employment, you can talk about how diversity inclusion has not been a a staple of this organization, right? You can have a plan for how that can change in recruiting processes and in executive leadership and training, whatever that may be, whatever your vision is, be ready for that question. Okay, so what should we do or else the voice will get lost, the mission to speak up, to band together, to have allies, to have the strength in numbers will be easily dismissed. Look, this isn't easy. There is risk. I'd love to pretend there isn't, but there is. I doubt, highly doubt, Colin Kaepernick thought he'd never play again in the NFL for taking his stance. But I also believe looking back that this is a sacrifice he looks back on without any regrets. Like he's probably okay with that sacrifice. That was the risk he was willing to take and willing to assume. Black employees have long been forced to make the sacrifice to push for more than just equality, to push for equity and justice. It is time for the white employees and the diverse assortment of employees to put some effort into the fight and assume some of the risk. Remember, there's strength in numbers. And as I said, there's even more strength in diverse numbers. Heavy topic. I won't avoid it. I've always had these kind of conversations on this show. I'm always willing to take on the difficult conversations. There is no fear coming from this company, this organization. This is something we want to talk about. We want to help in. Um, We want to be part of the change. So stay safe out there. Protest in peace. And uh, while you're doing it, keep your mask on because 2020 is a bitch. We got a global pandemic. We've got riots. We've got unemployment. I mean, I'm not saying this flippantly. It's just there's a lot of things going on at once. Stay safe in all of them. And uh, remember, this isn't a political conversation, but uh, I cannot tell you all enough how important it is to vote come November. Stay safe out there, everybody. Thank you for listening.